Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Welcome to Genre Junkies. Breaking news. Who knew Hallmark would end up being the woke one? They've had, they've had like one gay movie. And like a few and like people maybe of a color. Gay friend. Yes. Um, so, and we know a lot of people who love the Hallmark movie. We know that. And we love those people despite, <laughs> despite this. But please, please, none of our friends and family abandon Hallmark for the great American family channel which is where a lot of the conservative hallmarkians appear to have jumped ship so that they can make their movies their sappy saccharine yucky movies without the gays without the gays and non-christians and probably uh very limited (laughs) racial interactions i i particularly appreciate the statement like well we're not you know against representing other religions on there we're just not there yet i mean just like well yeah but just (laughs) i mean tip i hey let's just be totally fair that you know they did they've they definitely included a non- christian religion in god's not dead they did a really great job of that okay these are completely different sets of people but yes (laughs) real sarcasm that is real sarcasm anyway it's the holiday season so now we're getting the nutmeg and the and the eggnog and all the eggs crammed down our throats (laughs) oh i'm sorry i was fired up i'm fired up at genre drinkies today um this is sandra this is scott um you guys know we'll never pod fade on you. We will never leave you, at least without making it really clear that we're going to end the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we know our schedule has been, to put it nicely, whack. <laughs> um, you know, basically, besides other adjustments and lifestyle changes we had this year, we recently lost a family member. And then right on the heels of that, we before we have even had a funeral for that person, we have another family member who is in a very, very precarious critical um possibly end of life stage and it's just been a lot it's a lot to try to do a podcast and edit a podcast when you're juggling so many things so that's just what's going on we didn't mean to be away we just had to be away but we are coming to you with full energy and full excitedness and we have a really great show for you today. We have all of our episodes lined up for the end of the year. We know what we're doing. Uh, we always have these things planned. So it's like we just have to get them done and presented for you guys because we're so excited about reading. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, let's talk about the books we're going to be covering tonight. We are doing two books from the ongoing um, series, if you will, the Wayward Children series by Sean and McGuire. We've already done some books in this um, in this series, and tonight we're going to be talking about Come Tumbling Down and Across the Green Grass Fields. So. This is the non-spoiler section, so we're going to talk in very broad terms about these books in case you're on the fence about them or you haven't heard our previous episodes to give you that final push of 
this is why you should be diving into this series. We're also going to timestamp in the spoiler section uh, for each book. So if you, you know, haven't read that if you've next read one, one but haven't yeah. read the other one, you can you can jump to or stop uh, to where you um Need to where to you want to listen. And 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 I, I really do say jump to because one of the thing about these books is there's definitely features of them that, you know, play on things that have happened earlier on. And there's recurring characters in most of the books, but all of them can be standalone. Yeah. And so I think that there are people who have not necessarily read them in order and maybe have picked them up in the middle or yeah. found found, you know, a paperback at Safeway or you know, oh, the, the, or don't I wish they still had paperbacks? At I know they really don't. They, they don't anymore. That's right. Oh, I got so many books there in mm-hmm. my life. Um, so just to kind of get you caught up, this series of books is by the genius Seanan McGuire. I thoroughly believe that Seanan McGuire is going to be one day considered one of the best authors of her, her generation. She's absolutely genius brilliant writer in my opinion absolutely brilliant stunning stunning writer incredibly inventive creative kind compassionate uh, just imaginative it's what we want in a fantasy author in a in a kind of a young fan in a young centric yeah, fantasy I mean, it's, author. are kind of YA books in this series, but I mean, it's also, it's like the style is, we're moving on from, no offense to anybody, but some of the, the stuffier fantasy writers of yesteryear where, you know, it's all kind of questy and <laughs> whatever, like, <laughs> these are quests too that the characters come on, but it's really shattering molds. Yes. This series of books takes place around Eleanor's school for wayward children. These are kids from our world who have fallen through doorways, um, portal fantasy. They've gone to Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. world. Let's just use that as an example. Yeah. And they had a big adventure. Some of them stayed there. They were all there for a significant um, periods of time and for significant things to happen to them. And then they get spat back out into our world and they are like, wait, what? They have lived this whole other experience. They had their Narnia. <laughs> they had their whole thing. They had their Oz. They had, had their, their Wonderland. Her- Harold Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they, they're back and it's like they can't adjust. They can't just like reintegrate back into their families they can't just go back into regular school so eleanor runs this school because she was herself a wayward child and we're greeted with these fantastic young people characters um and some adults as well and we we get to see their stories and they're beautiful and they're poignant sometimes they're really sad um but they're always amazing sometimes they're very dark yes so the characters in come tumbling down. Uh, we are met back up with Jack and Jill. They are a pair of sisters who have found themselves in the Moors. So this is after we've already followed these characters and some of the recurring characters through a couple adventures. Mm-hmm. And their world that they travel to is called the Moors. And man, I like the Moors <laughs> every time we go. I just love it more. Yeah, this is the more. second time that we've gone to the moors yeah 
I think this is the second time we've... we've it is we've... a dark, spooky world. It is like the world of like universal horror and like, but even darker and even more horrific things all come together. It's like perpetually overcast and storming. There's mad scientists. There's vampires. There's werewolves. There's some freaky ice people we barely learned <laughs> about. There's a whole drowned gods people under the ocean it is so spooky it is and and scott and i could actually both live there i actually think we both could live there you're right because we've got this we've got the mad scientists along with the vampires and werewolves and all of the all of the creepy crawlies. Scott would just do his mad science and make himself some little glasses so that he could like have sunlight for his seasonal depression. But you know, he could also just kind of lock himself away and and do science. Well, yeah, I, I, I'd be a scientist. I could figure out some way to to deal with my seasonal depression. I'd just have lightning all the time, <laughs> and I could live literally with any of the creatures. Um, it's worth noting too that Scott and I consider these books mass appeal. Yes. I- I cannot I cannot not recommend this to anyone. They're they're beautiful, they're lovely. Uh everyone loves a good fantasy book. Everyone loves a good portal fantasy book, but mm-hmm. uh even more than that, like it's 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 how I I liken it to how you remember and visualize the portal fantasies of old even though they weren't this good, even though they weren't this kind. Yeah. Even though they they weren't this complex. Fairy tales of folklore and just beyond. So then we also have the second book we're talking about today, which is Across the Green Grass Fields. This one is <laughs> truly standalone. Yeah, this one's all new characters in this book. I'm laughing because whenever I hear the title, I want to sing that song, and the green grass goes all around, <laughs> all around. Um, and this is a story of a girl who goes to a beautiful world that I would love to go to for many reasons, but especially because the denizens of which are variations on equine. (laughs) And that sounds fabulous to the Sagittarius. I think there's two ways to approach this series now. You can either start with book one and go all the way through, or I think you can start with Across the Green Grass Fields and then go to book one. <laughs> <laughs> you should just read them all. You you will get more out of them. Reading them in order, you'll get more character background. You will be more invested. I have to say for me, getting back into these books, it's like putting on my favorite sweater. It's like just putting my arms into that favorite sweater. It feels like a hug. I feel I feel like going home when I read these books. We're not giving these books official scores. We've already kind of talked about it being obsession in the past, but these books almost warrant a new a new score in general when what? it comes to when it comes to experience. And that is, I don't know, hug, comfort, a bowl of soup. <laughs> it's it's just nice. It will make you feel things, and it can be sad, and it can be challenging. And like I said, there's there's poignancy to it. There's also a catharsis to reading these books. I just love these characters. I love the character of Eleanor. I I love every single character that's been in these stories. I really do. And it teaches so much about compassion is what I keep, like, I keep coming back to that. It's just the, this and Becky Chambers, some of the most compassionate books that want to make the world a better place, but do it in a way that's not 
fluffy, saccharine yuckiness. And it's it's also a series where I feel like Shannon gives so many different types of people someone to identify with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, e- even when you feel like, okay, you know, Shauna's covered a lot of different bases and, you know, even if there's not someone exactly like somebody else out there, they can kind of see themselves in parts of characters. And then she comes up with somebody else mm-hmm. even more special and even more unique to themselves and even more representative. Representation is always incredibly important and it can never be it, it can never be fully fully explained and it's always personal and there's different representation for different people but more importantly than that even if you don't see yourself in a character you will come to care about that character that's even more important for some people than representation is opening their hearts and minds yeah being able to to see to see the other as one of your own you know? Yeah, to be like, wow, I really care about this person and I have something to learn from their journey. And I've and I've learned things about them and therefore other people in this experience. All right, everybody. So just so you remember, we're going to talk about spoilers for each of these books, starting with Come Tumbling Down, and there'll be timestamps in the description for when each book starts. Okay, Scott, we'll see him over there. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke her crown, and Jill went tumbling after. That's the origin there. Welcome to the spoiler section, starting with come tumbling down. Can we? Can, oh, okay. Can, can we just talk about the fact that I think Jack and Jill are both of our favorite characters already? It's um. It's complicated. I don't think of Jill as a favorite character, no. Okay, well... Um, I have compassion for her. I have empathy for her. But um, I don't like her. Really? I, I I thought you might because Jill reminds me of... Don't say me. No, not of you. No, there's another character that reminds me of you. But no, uh, Jill reminds me of... like gothic vampire fantasy no 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 here's the thing is i love the well i love the whole world of the moors and um the vampires in this book are very to me 60s 70s hammer vampires and things like that dark shadows and things of that ilk where it's um vaseline smeared haziness (laughs) like and i love I love horror movies from that era. Mm-hmm. The 60s, 70s is something I feel a lot of horror fans don't invest enough time in. And it is like a, a gothicism and a romance to it. And I love that. It's just that I have a hard time with Jill because she's put Jack through so much. I'm talking it's about true. I'm talking about their actual personalities. Yeah, that's true. She she is not a good person. And you understand why she got there and you understand the trauma and the and all of that kind of stuff. But she consistently makes choices to hurt others. Yeah. And that makes it hard to root for. I mean, you understand her and she's a good character. Shouldn't say she's not a good character. She's a good character. Yeah. And then we have Jack who has really come into her own in the world where she belongs. And as we learned in the previous book, she could go back anytime she wanted. Mm-hmm. 
her die was cast. It was all good. And she had a responsibility, she felt, to tie up this end with her sister. And even though she'd found love, she'd found success, she'd found family. And it's Jack has such strength of character. And of course, she's kind of diabolical, as she says in there. I am a monster. I'm just a good one. <laughs> um, there's some beautiful themes in this book because there's kind of the body switching aspect about not feeling at home and right in your body. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. And of course, that ties into and they even talk about it in here with Cade, who's a trans person. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, perfect. You know, like we're hammering that home a little bit more. There's also some wonderful representation for anxiety in this book, which I thought was unexpected. Yeah, the the themes of body dysmorphia. Yes. I mean it's it's very <laughs> it's very physically real in this particular book, but yeah. um it's relevant and again, Shannon finds these ways to tackle to to tackle these very real, you know, personality traits mm-hmm. in in ways that's interesting and empathetic and, you know, there there's in ways that are just incredibly admirable, it teaches you things. It makes mm-hmm. you understand things, even if you kind of already were empathetic towards them. It makes you sympathetic towards them. One thing that I appreciated is for those of us who've been reading the books um, in their, you know, designed order, we've come to find some things to be true, and I really appreciate how Jack is kind of holding a mirror up to Sean and, and to us in the audience where she goes on this speech about, have you noticed that the doors come for us when we're young enough to believe we know everything and toss us out again as soon as we're old enough to have doubts? I can't decide whether it's an infinite kindness or an incredible cruelty. Perhaps it's both. Many things exist in a state of patient paradox, waiting for some change of circumstance to tilt them one way or the other. And it's like, because I have had that exact thought reading these books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and obviously, I think there's a part of Sean in that struggles with that too. And I felt like, oh my God, like, I just felt like so in sync. Yeah, I appreciated that because um, I kind of was starting to feel that way too. And obviously, I think it was deliberate. Yeah. It's like... It, it seems wonderful to be to be introduced into this fantasy world, but it really is mean. Yes. Overall, it's very mean. Here's everything that you wanted. Here's everything that makes you happy, but you can't stay. Right. What kind of a what kind of a a world is is this that these doors exist in? Um, I guess it's just like every world. It's a it's a paradox. It's good and bad. Mm-hmm. So a character that's very near and dear to my heart, Sumi, <laughs> does a wonderful monologue in this book. What are you laughing at? Oh, you know, just characters that remind people of people. That's all. That's me. I'm Sumi. Yeah. Yeah. No, we are. We're, we're weirdos. And that's wonderful. <laughs> um, so Sumi has this monologue that I will very much paraphrase where... she kind of steps up and is telling Jack to get her shit together. And she's like, the world doesn't stop spinning because you're sad. And that's good because if it did, people would go around breaking hearts and you know, things like we can be sad and we can be hurt and we can even be killed, but the world keeps turning and the things we're supposed to do keep needing to be done. And um, 
I actually had a conversation very similar to this with my therapist not that long ago. And we were talking about how when things happen to you when you're a kid, and when you're an adult, but especially when you're a kid, it feels like the end of the world. And it feels unfair Mm. that the world dares to go on while you're in pain. And it's an important lesson to learn in our adolescence and then into our adulthood that you're not the center of the world and not like in a mean, selfish way, but the things will go on. And I feel like a lot of people got a wake up call with that during the height of the pandemic. You know, things were still happening. Bees were still being, birds were still flying, you know, like the world will move on, you know, and it's, uh, it's such an important lesson to learn. That's a really, I think you touched on a really strong theme of these books in general is, you know, especially when you are in middle adolescence, you are, you are the main character in your story. Mm-hmm. I think every teenager and, and preteen has main character syndrome. Yeah. And there's a point in everyone's life when you realize you're not the main character of the story anymore. And that is ultimately what all of these experiences are. Yeah. Is they go from being the main character to realizing that they're not. Um, There's another quote in there that I really liked, and I can't remember which character says it, but um, sometimes after all, that's what must be said to make a hero, the willingness to keep running, even after it becomes clear that the entire exercise is doomed to failure. Um. I find that incredibly important, too, because for a lot of things, the fight has been going since before we got there, and it will probably keep going after we're gone, but you still do it. Like, you still do what's right, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh. This book, it's like, this book, might as well just highlight the whole damn book. On a more shallow, just uh, enjoyment of this book, this is one of the most team oriented books like there's other books yes, where, yes, where, yes, yes. where it focus around people who are in the school but in this one it's very much all of all of your favorites all of the the, <laughs> the main cast right are getting together at you know at a moment's notice saying well one of us needs help so let's all go help because that's just what we do for our friends. That's just what we do. And it's beautiful. And sometimes you got to lean on people. And that's very important. You have to be vulnerable and you have to, to lean on others. That's another crucial thing to learn in this life. Um, and they're all such wonderful, wonderful little heroes in their own right as well. And then not to mention, the book is just damn enjoyable to read also. Like, it's uh, the world that we see is lush and interesting. And there's humor. There's humor in these books. Oh, these books always make me laugh. Yeah. And I'm very happy for Jack at the end of this book. She's got her wife essentially she's gonna rebuild her her father figure she's the inherited the mad science she's dealt with a lot of her trauma like i i leave her so happy for her and she she took agency in everything yeah she wasn't happy about what she had to do but she she knew what she had to do and she accepted it and she chose that that path yes that's it exactly she she knew what she had to do mm-hmm. ah gorgeous book and i could live under the drowned world too that'd be fine well i believe 
the most recent book, which we have not read yet. Yes. Based on the title alone. With the Drowned Girls? I think it might have to do with that. I'm very interested in this. We almost lost our little mermaid. We did. I and I I, I mean I I'm hoping I'm I'm guessing that most recent book kind of focuses around her. I don't think Shannon would leave that loose end. I mean we also have another drowned girl in another world. Remember? Oh yeah. So we've got we've got a couple drowned girls here. <laughs> I, I you know when I. Whenever I, I'm, I'm looking at these books and sometimes I'm like, wait, what's the next book in the series that we're reading? Because, you know, we've planned it out, but I'm, I'm looking it up. And you know how Google autocorrects things? Yes. One of the things I always kind of laugh at is how many books will there be in this series? Oh. I don't think that this series will ever run dry. But then I've also heard that it's also coming to a close. So I don't know. Well, I, I think to, this, we need to get the word from Shauna McGuire. We do. I would say I could imagine where the 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 main part of the school, at least being head as it is, may come to a close. It seems to kind of be leaning that way. But there's such a deep. There's so many. There's so many possibilities, mm-hmm. and Shauna clearly enjoys writing these right and you know kate is kind of set up to be the next successor to the school mm-hmm. um eleanor's aunt and we also need to let eleanor be free at some point and that's coming oh which is going to f-ing kill me um okay let's talk about and the hill and the tree and the tree and the ground and the green grass grows all around, all around, and around, and around. okay so this is now the spoiler section for where the green grass grows. Is that the no, name of it? Or, no, that's not the name of it. No, this is now the spoiler section for across the green grass fields. Across the green grass fields, book uh, six of the Wayward <laughs> Children. Right. Okay. As as I said in the non-spoiler section, this is a completely standalone book. The school has no place in it. It never shows up. The where this is part of the series is there is there is a lot of things that we've that's been established in the series that that acts as a sort of as a sort of dread as if you know what's going to happen already because it's just you know how these worlds work because of this this setup mm-hmm. that adds to the drama it adds an inevitability to the story it adds uh it adds a sense of tragedy and sadness throughout it we know that reagan is going to be at this school like we know like that we're getting reagan's story here we know she's not going to live there forever we know she's going to get kicked out of her world and and we know and we know that it's not necessarily going to be by you know her choice by her choice because it pretty much never is so this book opens where we meet reagan um sweet young girl who is starting to have some questions about her body and puberty and changing and her parents um say okay it's time to tell you this you're old enough to understand you are intersexed um and we also have to remember that intersex folks are more common than a lot of people you know seem to think they are they're as common as redheads yes as naturally occurring ginger people (laughs) and the other thing about intersex is that there's there's it's not just one 
it's not just a third gender. It's not just a, no. it, a this is how it's, it's it itself is such a broad range as well. Right. Um, and I mean, you're just going to absolutely fall in love with Reagan. I know I did. Did you fall in love with Reagan? Reagan actually became one of my favorite characters in the single book. This I book, have strong feelings about other characters too. This book, it really goes there, man. I have to say, since I stopped reading it, I have not really been able to stop thinking about it and the end of this book and what it means. So I'm really excited to talk to you about what um, what the messages are in this book. Um so Reagan goes to a world that I would love to live in because it's a forest world. You would love to live in this world too. And there's centaurs and there's unicorns and there's kelpies and it's an equine paradise. Every single uh, equine fantasy creature is on is in this world, is represented in this world. I particularly love the unicorns. Me too, and they shouldn't be eaten. I love how the unicorns are basically seen and described as almost being like like turkeys where they're just dumb. That is They're your opinion. Really dumb. Turkeys are not dumb. Turkeys are beautiful. I don't. So you have to remember, I don't eat animals. So the idea of like we're eating turkeys, we're eating unicorns. I must put my hoof down. Of course, but I, I, I'm not talking about the justification of eating them or not. But I'm saying people talk about turkeys. They go outside and it starts raining. They look up and drown. That unicorns are just dumb as bricks. Now. Rude. It's interesting, however, that that is that is kind of a twist that is presented to you right off the bat. And yet one of the main themes of this of this book at the at the end is this this segregation, this caste system, this yes. othering of every other group. That is a huge, huge component of this book is what it means to be a person. Because at one point, someone even says to her, um, you're a human, whether you're a person is still up for debate. But the other human she meets talks about the peoples of this world and calls them beasts and says they're different than us. Um, so backing up just a tiny, tiny bit, this world is really gorgeous. And if you love forests like Scott and I both do, I'm sure you all loved just kind of the description of this beautiful forest world. Um, also Kelpies. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So that's where we're kind of at is a big part of this book is personhood. That's huge. Yeah. So you, you're first introduced to the centaurs and the centaurs talk about, you know, different creatures that are persons and different creatures that aren't it's kind of a it's kind of the idea of 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 intelligence of sentience really the unicorns aren't because they're described as being you know cattle the kelpies aren't because they're just evil creatures that eat things the there's and there's there's so many things What's the bird thing it's like a bird horse i keep wanting to call it a peloton it, uh, it is it's a p- p- it's something like that. What is it? It's like a periton or something. I think it's a periton. I can't remember, but we love them. Sorry, uh, guys. And they're just described as being these these scary creatures that that you know live in their own territories and don't go over there because that's where they are. And you know, you find out that they're persons too. They're fine. They're just Everyone's not fine. able to communicate with each other because they. And I, I love the way that. 
that it's described as her her having developed her own magic and that's why she can understand everybody but at the same time they even say it's because they never cared to listen yes it's they could all do it it makes it very it makes it a very literal thing of you know like you can understand what someone else is saying you're just choosing not to to really listen to what choosing to not give weight to them and they've and, and shannon has made it literal in this book that if you that they just choose to not even to they choose to listen so much that they literally cannot hear their words right everybody is capable of this this is not a unique type of magic and in fact you don't need a human to come in and save everything because that's just this figurehead an excuse to not be united mm-hmm. um so of course i so we're getting towards the end of this book. We're getting towards the end of this book. And, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, I do not have much book left, but I, how can this possibly be wrapped up? How can this possibly, we're looking for a battle. We're looking for a fight. We're looking for Reagan to, you know, storm the castle. And it's like, how can this be? How can this be? Running out of book, running out of book. And I started to kind of panic. So I did not see this twist coming. No. That there's a very old human man dying in a bed. who's like, who had taken it over for an ancient woman who had died in the bed. And they've all probably taken it over for another, another, they're all travelers just like Reagan. They've come through the doors from the human world and they are perpetuating this lie. Um, It's kind of the wizard behind the curtain a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And they're, so the, the old man tells her, um, you know, they're happy to believe this. Um, They, they want this, like they want it to be true. So they don't really question it. Their world is built on those beliefs. They couldn't survive learning. They were wrong. He says, now here's the thing. They could survive, but they're happy just being in ignorance how they are. So they don't really question it a whole lot. They are happy being in ignorance, but it's also a very judgmental place. Oh, he's an asshole, but that's, that's passed down generationally. Really? Um, you know, the, the different humans are not, are, it's not suggested they're actually related, but yeah. they pass on that ignorance and that 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 viewpoint from generation to generation of traveler. Mm-hmm. And it's just so poisonous. But isn't it interesting that he didn't want to do this? He had a whole life waiting for him when he was 17 and he came through and a door never appeared for him. What does that say? And it says something a little on that cruel side of things, that this is the way this world just works. This is the way it just operates. And it doesn't have to be. The argument that I would make is the reason that a door never opened is because the humans that it brought in never saved, never, never, never did their part. They never saved the world. Exactly. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really important that this book exists in this series Mm -hmm. because in so many, I mean, in all of the other ones, you know, as we said in the last spoiler section, the hero is the main character while they are in this world. Yes. They really are. They are. They're the hero. And it's it's an interesting it's a it's a great exploration into the travelers maybe are not always a good thing for the world that they go to. 
You know, the world You're gonna bring radical change. The, the 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 traveler, the first traveler in this world, however many years before memory they came, they they did it wrong. Right. They didn't save the world. They didn't unite the peoples. They didn't do what the world needed them to do. They took over themselves. But sometimes that's the right thing. Because like with Caden, he was like gonna be true to himself. And so they kicked him out for that. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of like, it's kind of, they need to do something radical. And sometimes it's what's true to themselves. And sometimes it's like what the world wants. I don't know. It's very interesting, right? It is. But I would, but would you, I would argue that what the travelers were doing in this world Mm -hmm. was not good, was not right. No, it was not right, but they just kept perpetuating it. And so the world didn't kick them out. It just kept them because they were perpetuating it. They weren't bettering themselves and they weren't bringing about radical change. But, you know, once once she did better it, once she fixed it, I, I you know, the whole kicking out thing, I feel like like wording it as, as being kicked out. Mm-hmm. I don't imagine it like that in the books as the world. I mean, with with Canaan, it, it was, but but. Can I can I throw another wrench in this? Is then we have remember our girl who goes to the really cool still underworld world <laughs> where it's like kind of Greek mythy and they're all like frozen. Yes, she finds her true self there, and she did not need to bring radical change or anything like that to the world. She just needed to find where she truly belonged. True, she was not a main character in that world at all. No, she just, she was she's just supposed to be there. She was just supposed to be there. That was the world that she was supposed to be in. So I think that there's not really a, a right or wrong answer to this. Sometimes it will spit you out because you change the paradigm so much. It's like, ah, <laughs> like you can't, you can't be here. You've upset the order of things. And then other times, I mean, what I think is going to happen is like with this one, Reagan um, just kicked the hornet's nest and she accidentally left and she's going to go back at some point and she's going to find things radically different. Although I'll say I won't be surprised if Reagan does not end up at the school because Reagan didn't choose to leave. It was an accident. They don't always choose to leave. They usually, they they almost never Never do. Yeah. But at the same time, there is almost a acceptance to it that Reagan has when she goes up to the house. There's almost a... Well, her door's gone. I feel like she's almost as done with that world as the world was with her. It's almost like she she probably didn't want to leave because she loves it and she considers she it. She did home. make a promise. Yeah. But I think that she needs to be gone so they can figure their shit out. <laughs> that could be. Um, maybe maybe a new door will open for her once that world yes. actually is, is ready to have her back and not have her lead. And maybe there will be other humans then that can come through. Because there have been some humans, but it's kind of like, it's it's been a long time. So it's like people don't really remember. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's very interesting. I think it's hard. I think what we've just kind of discovered is it's hard to define what the worlds do (laughs) and what the motivations of each world is. I think that that's the only thing we can really come to an agreement on. Yeah. You know, is it's very hard to define that. Um, so 
the other part of Reagan's world that's very interesting is when she talks about, you know, she's basically like leaving the the king to die. I love that she sends the Kelpie up to eat him. <laughs> that's great. She says, good, let them learn that destiny's a lie and let them find the way to govern themselves as they should have done from the beginning. Let them learn humans are people the way you never learned that they were. So that's what we're talking about that whole point about, you know, unity and personhood and, and all of that stuff. Um, destiny is a lie. Yeah. So this, because it's me, tell me if this is a Sandra thing or if this is an everybody thing. I bring a religion into it immediately. Huh. I bring in the, there's even like a line in there about like, this is the way things are because they just are and people question don't question it. They just want a leader who tells them that this is this and this is this and this is how we do everything. And they just follow the leader and they don't question it. And they don't rock the boat. And then, (laughs) but it turns out (laughs) that God is false. And now they have no God. I I don't know. I did not bring religion (laughs) into this book personally. It's a me thing. I think it's a you thing. Well, no, I'm sure other people have too. But, oh, I'm sure. I think I I bring a little bit of that, of the looking for a leader or just kind of trusting the leader the status kind of quo the status quo um i think that that is where uh religious leaders live i think that's where cult leaders live i think that that's where i think that that's where a lot of society tends to live cult follow of personalities is follow the leader i i think a lot of people want someone to Tell them what they should do. I, I think the nature of humanity is to want yeah. to be told what to do and to maintain the status quo, to not upset the apple cart, um, and to not have people that encourage you to do so is very damaging. It's not a good thing because look at all the problems this world has found itself in now. Just because there's not that many free thinkers out there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And these are just, good, just to add a little little, little Reddit psychology to it, to the <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah, this book has. I mean, all of these books are layered. This one was one of the more nuanced for me to really, like I said, I've just been thinking about it a lot and chewing through what it means. Um, I love the 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 need to be united and the need for compassion and the need to see us all as people. I think that's a really important theme in this book. But then also like this idea of, of ignorance is bliss and just keep going along and just don't question it. And I think that applies to government leaders. I think it applies to families. I think it applies to society. I think it applies to religion. It's a very big concept. I love it. I think that this is... This is in my top of the books in this series. I think it does think like every every book has a point of view and has a number of different points and ideas and and themes. This one I think has some of the most chewy mm. ideas. I mean, like you said, the reason you're still thinking about it after reading it constantly yeah. is because it doesn't ha- handhold um, at all on on some of these themes and. And they compound on each other in a, in the way that a it, lot of these issues compound on each other. They're yeah. they're inseparable from each other. Ultimately, it's a really chewy book, and for such a short, quick read, it's it's brilliant. 
Ugh, another home run from Sean and McGuire. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this untraditionally um, formatted episode. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I hope you're all loving these books and enjoying these books as much as we are. Um, they're such a delight. They're just absolutely. And for me, the rereadability is really huge, too. Okay, everybody. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, say goodnight, Scott. Good night, Scott. <laughs> uh, good night for me. Good night from the genre junkies, and please keep reading past your bedtime. Mm-hmm.